Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, hello, podcasters. How are we doing? This is just a quick reminder that this is Kenny Cunningham. Part two, part one went out last week and it is available to listen to. So if you haven't already, you might want to go back and check that one out before listening to this episode with Kenny. Over another hour's worth of brilliant memories from Kenny, reminiscing especially from his times at the old den. Some great stories in here. I hope you enjoy it. If this sounds particularly echoey, then I've just remembered as I went to put the episode out on the podcast platforms that um, I wanted to make this little voice note just to remind you of what I've already mentioned. I'm in the bath, so the randomness that is Lions TV continues. I hope you enjoyed the episode. More episodes next week. Brian Horn's up next for you. That'll be next week sometime. Hopefully me will might get one of the board before then. Kenny Cunningham, part two. Enjoy. Let's talk about um, Big Mick becoming the manager from Bruce Riel. But then his first full season in charge was the last season at the Old Den and your last full season at the club. You see Johnny Goodboy and what was it? Johnny Goodboy and Jamie. Jamie Makeway. <laughs> they had a good they had a good partnership. Obviously Malcolm Allen was coming back from an injury. Uh, Ian Bogey as well was a good player. Yeah. And uh, we had a good go. We came close again that year, didn't we? Just missed out on the playoffs towards the end. Was it we just missed out on the four so we made it seventh. We come seventh in the um first season first, yeah. first first season with Bruce we lost in the playoffs to Brighton. Second season, Bruce got sacked. McCarthy takes over. Yeah. Third season, the last season at the old den, 92-93. Uh, Big Mick. We're, we're knocking teams over for, for fun. The boys were saying the other day, uh, Jamie Make, Jamie Makeway. <laughs> Sorry. Jamie Makeway and Johnny Goodboy. They um, they were scoring a lot of goals. We were beating teams. But um, we did we did fall away towards the end. Was you, was you like starting to... Realise you was getting other interest from clubs at that point? Oh no, not, never. I never knew of any of any interest. I literally wouldn't have even that thought wouldn't have even entered my head. Mm. And, and I remember reading something actually. Um, it might have been my first year. I'm not going. I won't spend too much time, time going back. But after that first, I made five appearances. I used to the No One Likes This magazine. Do you remember it used to be uh, printed back and it was great. I loved that magazine. It was brilliant. Couldn't wait to get me hands on it. And I got to know the the people who were kind of uh, published it, the Albatross. I don't know if you remember the arbitrage, you had any uh, dealings with him, but he kind of wrote, he looked after the actual magazine, he sold it. And he was a great character, a, a big, obviously, Millwall uh, supporter. And he wrote uh, in an article, people used to write different things, very funny, like, you know, great humour in there, like. And uh, 
And at the end of that season, he wrote a small addendum. It might have been about talking about a number of the players, giving them how the season went, etc. And he wrote a couple of lines that mentioned me. I'd only played a couple of games, obviously. And they said about Kenny Cunningham, great to see him make his uh, debut, without doubt, uh, a new old stalwart for the next 10 years. And it wasn't much. He didn't do only, only a couple of lines. But that kind of, I remember reading that thing, it kind of knocked me back a little bit. And I thought, bloody hell, wow. Imagine... I could actually still be playing the top, actually still playing professionally. And even here at Millwall, spending 10 years here. And even that gave me a little bit of confidence, gave me a big lift. Like, you know, even after five games, somebody saw me playing top, you know, he's got a bit of something he can offer. He could be potentially, a, you know, a, you know, a, a good player, could stay at the club for a long period of time. So that was really it. So that was my mindset for long, from, from the whole period at the football club till I left, was really that, was just Millwall, games, getting better and obviously getting into the uh, top division. Mm. So it's really that. And at no, certainly at, at no point was I ever thinking, right, the division, even after those disappointments missing out, I never, ever remember feeling that first year with Mick feeling I've missed out. Another year I won't be getting in the, the I've missed out on the premiership. Do I need to move sideways or maybe do I need to instigate a move? Not that I would have known how to do that. Anyway, it never it was always the case, right, next year, let's go again. And I think the reason was because I was enjoying my football so much. I've spoken about the camaraderie there, great atmosphere and environment. That's the environment that Mick created, bringing the players in himself, Taff, and we pulled it all together. It was great. Younger lads there, a lot in common with them. Those young lads from the U team coming up, you know, great, great buzz there. And we were playing good football. We were enjoying our football, uh, Dan. And I think if you speak to the Millwall supporters then, I think they'll say that because the perception from outside maybe people looking at Millwall maybe Millwall saw his previously oh up and Adam channel ball seconds you know you know what you're going to get pretty Neanderthal stuff but it certainly wasn't that uh, certainly not that for the two years under Mick look I said we played different systems formations had some very good uh, footballers in, in the team the ones that you've mentioned already young lads coming through him as a left back Dawsey was a lovely footballer he stayed Quite for a yeah, yeah, great, great footballer. Andy May, brilliant, very underrated player as well. Kept things simple, good football and uh, brain. So all over the pitch. I think that was the reason why I probably never had those thoughts, Dan, because I was loving me football. I was really mm. loving football and, and just always looking forward to what was coming next, the kind of next year. It's an interesting insight, actually, because you was obviously a brilliant player for us. and you, you, I don't even think you've played it down. I'm not sure you realise how good you was for us. I'd, I'd do other videos and I've done an all-time 11 video. You've made that video as, as the best all-time right back. It's, it's funny to hear, like you say, I'd run and get the South London press or I'd get the no one likes us and they said something nice and you wanted that seven plus in the South London press. Would you quite, would you have been affected by if you'd have got a, a bad comment or a bad rating? Because I don't think you realise, I don't think you realise how good you actually were. Yeah, I was. I, did, I wasn't a big one for like, introspection to be honest with you when I, later in my career lots of football psychologists came into the game and were part of the uh, the background and players were actively encouraged the group and individuals you know spend time with these people and from a psychological point of view you know, you know get yourself in a better place you know uh you know self-confidence that, that the whole thing like but I, I always kind of i couldn't couldn't bring myself to go uh, through the door because as a younger player I, I didn't have that i really didn't have that confidence and you're absolutely right not that I'd be reading too much about myself. I wouldn't be reading about myself in the in the in the nationals. But occasionally, the, the South London Press, uh, I I would and I would run to that just for the report. And there wouldn't be occasions, you know, and it wouldn't be like having a go at me. It'd be a case, oh, Kenny kind of made a mistake, or 
you know, or any kind of cut out position. Or, and it would, it, it, it maybe hurts the wrong word, but it gets through my skin. It really would, you know what I mean? So, so that was just an indication. I probably didn't even realize the time. I hadn't got that kind of uh, self confidence. Those kind of things would hurt me. Even games, uh, Dan, I remember the first game at the New Day. We played, I'm sure we played South End. Uh, Barry Fry was in charge. And I had a load of family who came over for the game. And I was a little bit little bit nervous that there was family there actually watching me. And I wouldn't have been 18. Oh, this, this might have been on, it would have been on the Mick, wouldn't it? You mentioned the first, first yeah. year then. I would have been 22 and that. So I had a bit of family over looking at the game. And I remember Ricky Otto was playing left wing for, for South End. And he was a very fast player, very dynamic, aggressive. You know what I mean? Play, playing very well at, uh, at the time. And I was a little, I was being, remember being very worried about the game. And I got off to a bad start, you know, made a bad decision. He got past me once. And it really kind of affected me confidence for the rest of the game. I wouldn't get tired and kept backing off too much. I was afraid of getting too close and getting done uh, 1v1s. And it kind of, it kind of really, really affected me that one game in particular. So it, it wasn't a reoccurring thing with me in terms of, you know, people take the mick out of me about my goal-scoring record. It's still to this day, I mean, uh, career goals. I think there was actually a thing published when I was at uh, Birmingham. Tony Hibbert at Everton made the back pages. He scored a goal for Everton. And I was like, Tony Hibbert scores a goal. His first goal in 300-odd games. Only surpassed by Millwall. <laughs> Super blue Kenny Cunningham. It went an unbelievable 400 games without because my career only scored one league goal. Uh, people say you only scored two, one career goal. I always dispute it and say, well, you're wrong. I actually don't tell them. I always get a bit annoyed and people give me a bit, not give me a bit of stick. You know, How can you only score one career goal? And I always come back, right, get your facts right. I scored two. What do you mean? Where, where was your other goal? I go, well, dig it out. I'm not going to tell you. Go and dig it out. And I said, I'll give you a clue. I scored from Millwall in Europe. Fact. They go, what? Millwall? You always thought Millwall never played in you. And they just can't figure it out. So basically what it was, you wouldn't even know yourself. The second goal was actually scored in the Anglo-Italian Cup from Millwall against Charlton, <laughs> funny enough. Anglo-Italian Cup, Jesus <laughs> Christ. What a blast. What a blast from the past. Tenuous link. It's a very tenuous link. It was Millwall and Charlton and one Italian side. That's how it was like around Robin, three teams in there. There was more that's going on if you remember the competition. Never last. There was killings going on. There was like brawls everywhere, like the tunnels in Italy. It was all going, it was all going on. It never lasted. It lasted about two years. But I, mean, I scored at the old den, actually scored at the old den, in an Anglo-Italian game against Charlton. Bob Boulder bobbled over his left hand, went in the corner about 25 yards. So that was actually my second uh, career goal. But the reason I, I mentioned it, I only scored two career goals. But I probably had about four shots on target my whole career. So I, never I never took a shot either. And... and and when I think back, it was definitely a part of it, Dan. I never took a shot because when I got into the box around the last tour of the pitch, I was always thinking, set someone up. You know, set someone up for a shot across. And it was almost like removing response. I didn't want the responsibility of taking a shot on the pressure. You know, that type of thing. Oh, mm -hmm. if I shank it, if I mishit it. That, so I think that fed into it a, a little bit. Someone used to say to me, you get some great positions, shoot. Put on your left foot, have a shot, you're eight yards out. <clears throat> but I'd always look for the pass to set someone up, which I enjoyed. I got a real buzz. I was setting people up. Oh, there you go, Teddy, put that one in back post. Happy days. I used to absolutely love that. 
but never really had the confidence. That was probably an underlying thing. Probably didn't realise it too much at the time, but looking back, mm. I think that was always there, certainly through my career at Millwall, Dan in particular, and probably to a smaller extent, even when I signed for Wimbledon. But it was always there, that feeling of, oh, I'm a little bit out of my depth here. I'm gonna get I'm gonna I'm gonna get found out. That bit of a feeling from that first year, I had a one year contract on peanuts that I was heading home. Yeah. Back to Dublin on the Yoris Freddy at the end of the year. Maybe a little bit of that kind of uh, stead with me. Maybe it wasn't a bad thing, Dan, because it meant as if <clears throat> I couldn't take that for granted. I knew I had to work hard. I had to put the arrows in. I can get home, go home. As you scream at me, gone into the cars. You poor bastard, get you. <laughs> you got no life, Cunningham, get home, your digs. Whatever. <laughs> that, you know, have a game of chess with your landlady. Whatever, whatever it was, but that was it, driving it, I think. I've got to got to improve, got to improve my heavy left foot's got to get better, got to get quicker, stronger, got to learn everything. So that kind of drove me, which is probably a good thing. But there was a flip side to that as well, Dan, and just in terms of that kind of self-confidence. I saw with players later in my career really had that self-confidence, could really carry themselves, thinking probably better than they were. Don't get me wrong, you used to look at them. Yeah, like, this is what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, imagine you had, imagine you had confidence. <laughs> imagine yeah. it. But I used it more than because I used to think, you know what, in between your head, you think. And that's that's the most important place. It's not really important with the manager, teammates, people in the crowd, the presenter on the TV, your man that's out on the press giving the marks out or whoever. All that really matters is what's registering between your two, two ears. If you think you're the greatest player in the world and your confidence is rock, mm. high level, and that can't, you, you can't get knocked down. Do you know what? Maybe it's not a, a little bit of that's not a bad thing either. So, True. yeah, I never quite got on top of that, but I, I did recognise it after a long period uh, looking back. But uh, like I said, it, 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 did, it, didn't, it didn't hold me back. Hopefully it didn't hold me back too much. You're one of two career goals. The one that you've been credited with, obviously the one that people don't remember is the Anglo-Italian. But that was that was for me all as well, wasn't it? What, the, uh, what me, me, me have a oh, league goal? The, the league goal, yeah. And the good thing about scoring only the minimum amount, probably the least amount of goals in Premiership or football in history, is that you can go through every one of them in great detail. And people don't, <laughs> people don't begrudge it. Teddy Chairman can have these conversations talk about every single goal he scored in great detail. I can, for obvious reasons. Come on in. Oh, the, only the, goal, the stage is yours. Yeah, the only goal for Millwall was down in uh, Fratton Park against Portsmouth. It was a league game. And don't ask me why, I was up for a corner. And I never went up for corners. Very rarely went up for corners because, for the obvious, I wasn't particularly that great ahead of the ball. I had a great spring. You know, I wasn't actually that brave in attacking, but I, was, I developed a good ahead of the, the ball eventually. But in terms of attacking corners, I never had, I know some lads go in there, smash, broken nose, the whole shebang, just don't see danger, do they? Those type of defenders, they're the ones clearly to score, <laughs> score the goals. But I, I really, I, I didn't, I didn't have that, so I, I never, never went up. So whatever reason I was up there, it might have been last few minutes of the game, Ken. You know, last resort, get your ass up. So anyway, ball came in and made a little token run, and I remember half thinking, "Hello, I got half a chance to get my head on this." So it was almost like a diving header of sorts, kind of threw me head at the last minute. But at the same time, somebody threw their their uh, their uh, boot in my face, caught me in the face as I headed the ball. So I didn't actually, t didn't actually see the ball go into the net. So I hit the deck. I was kind of spinning a little bit. I thought, oh, no, my nose is everywhere. I was a little bit. So I kind of stepped down for the best part. Could have been the best, really milking it down. Could have been the best part of a minute and a, 
<laughs> you didn't even get, so you're going to tell me you didn't even get the chance to celebrate your only league no, goal ever? <laughs> what I did remember was when my head cleared and I kind of realised what had happened, I kind of knew I've scored here. I was like, right, I've had a kick in the face. I think, I think I'm all right. I mean, I was still in the same position. And I do remember the first thing coming into my head was, oh, this is going to be embarrassing now. <laughs> I've, got to, I've got to run. Everybody else is back in position. I was like, oh, okay. I've got to run down the, the length of the pitch by myself. And obviously acknowledge, you know, acknowledge the Millwater powers. There's no, there wasn't a crowd. I couldn't dive into a crowd like a, a lifter. So I must throw a blanket over me. So I do remember thinking, oh, no, this is crazy. This is horrible. Probably a bit of self-confidence that I'm talking about. But eventually I get up. And the Millwater powers, as I, as I ran back down, they're in the top right-hand side. And we always had a good, decent bit of support. Like, right, and Parsa would have been a good game. Yeah, exactly. So it would have been great down there. So I got the old standing, yeah, I got the old standard of age from the new ones so far as it was probably a little token, little token gesture, thumbs up. Thanks, cheers. <laughs> exactly, that was it. I don't know if the goal meant anything, I can't remember the uh, the end of the game, but uh, yeah, the, but that was it. That was my only that was my only goal for the for the football club. Um <laughs> special though, it is special. I cherish the both of them. <laughs> I can't believe you didn't even get the chance to properly celebrate it. If you ever put the, if you ever put the quiz together, that's your, that's your, uh, that's your bonus question. That Anglo-Italian, that Anglo-Italian game, Kenny Cunningham scored very. I would have thought because the attendances were woeful. Those so, games. So it was. It was. I remember a, a cup being called the Anglo-Italian Cup, and I do remember now you said it. Us playing Cholton. I'm thinking to myself as a kid, why is it called the Anglo-Italian Cup? <laughs> was it ever seen Brescia? So did you have to? Go, did you? Was it Brescia? No, I don't know if it was, yeah, I don't know, I can't remember if it was Brescia. I never went over to Italy, funnily enough. So I never you, played the game was over there. there. Was there an away leg to play in Italy? I don't know whether it was a case they kind of dovetailed. I don't think you played every team home and away. I don't think it might be the case you just played one game at home, one game away. It was a, it was a, it was a strange little combo. And like I said, it didn't last very long. The fans didn't buy into it. You know, the tennis was pretty poor. Probably why nobody knows the score there. Uh, uh, the bloody goal and like I said it was all off for some reason literally because I remember talking to the lads in Birmingham they played and they went oh my god it was absolute killings like when we went over there <laughs> to Italy at the time so it didn't last but very I'd be absolutely amazed if anybody got a trivia 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 question got that one I'll tell you another good one I had a conversation years ago someone said to me about because he said it, it uh, lends in what you're saying about mixed second season we went to the uh, the New Den, because the first ever game at the New Den was a pre-season game. It was against Bobby Robson. Bobby Robson brought Sport Lisbon over. Yeah. And that was the opener for the, the new stadium, wasn't it? Yes, right. It was great. The atmosphere was absolutely, absolutely uh, uh, rocking. And I used to keep um, a framed picture for absolutely donkey's years. I had a framed picture of the team that played that night. And I tell you what, uh, Dan, if you went at the game that night and didn't know the starting eleven. I'd be amazed if anybody would be able to guess the starting eleven that night against Barn Lisbon. It was like liquid all sorts. Literally need to piece it together. I'd be amazed if anybody, the amazed if anybody got that team either. And funny enough, I smashed. I had it the garage somewhere in the house years ago and a bloody fell and the the glass cut into the actual picture and sliced it. I've seen I've seen the picture on social media a million percent because I think our reserve goalkeeper is in the photo, but he hasn't got a kit on. He's got like a hoodie on or something. I've seen it. I've seen it on social media. I'll send it to you see if I can find it. But um, before we got to the new den, <laughs> devastating. Before we got to the new den, you'd obviously by this point, nineteen ninety three, uh, you'd been a Mill player for a long time. You sort of 
didn't grow up at Mil- Mil- at the old den, but that's all you knew. Football, we, we, leave, we leave the we leave the ground. What what, what how did that feel to leave the old den the final day? Three 0 home defeat to Bristol Rovers. I was devastated. We left that stadium. I, I hate the fact that we've lost all of those stadiums, actually, those old stadiums. The advent of it. I know Post Hills, but the Premier League. But for me, it wasn't the only answer to, like, you know, build out those, all these old stadiums and build all these new theater stadiums. For me, it's not the same. We've lost something. We'll never get it back. So the Den's probably a, a, a good example of that. I mean, it had its faults from a structural point of view, but you'd never replicate it. In terms of atmosphere there, oh, I was absolutely alleged. I just, I actually loved their... Over the incumbent. I remember playing reserve team football, which I did for majority of that first year when I came. Mm. Tuesday, Tuesday afternoon, used to trot out underneath the cold blow lane. The tunnel used to come out, didn't it, uh, behind the goal onto the pitch. And there was only about like 100, maybe 100, 150 people there. Oh, magic. Absolutely magic. Oh, I absolutely loved that place. And then it didn't have to be, didn't have to be full, Dan, to really, you know, get, get that atmosphere. Like three quarters full midweek there under the floodlights absolutely rocking i absolutely i absolutely loved it it was a shame it was it was a shame i can understand the reason practical reasons to hold your back but for me you'll never convince me millwall i'd say the same for upton park the bowling ground for me i'd say the exact same i drove past there about a year and a half ago uh upton park i'm not being funny actually got a bit of a gulp i remember we played there with millwall actually funny jamie makeway got a couple of the goals i'm talking about I think it was two all we drew there. And it was the same there, the atmosphere there. I know the rivalry, forget all about that, that rivalry. The atmosphere there was amazing. I loved it. Millwall there, way support. The same when they came to the, uh, the old den. And funny enough, I remember the last time we played West Ham at the, at the old den, I remember talking to Alvin Martin on a few occasions. I bumped into him media something years ago. And he mentioned, he said, oh, yeah, I remember you. He said, you took a dive. He took a dive at the old den. Last time we played today at West Ham, he was playing. Obviously, he must have been quite old. Mm. And she, I'd forgotten all about it. And when he mentioned it, I remembered it. And what it was is yeah, maybe a little overlap. Got into the box, kind of running out of ideas, tripping off my feet. And he, like, dangled the leg. He was getting a bit old at the time. He just, uh, he just dangled the leg out. And I remember thinking, do you know what? I could jump over this, but <laughs> you know, I'm not. <laughs> so obviously... Taking the contact, as they say in the modern game, you know, minimal contact. So going over his leg and getting the penalty, which we scored, we might win the game 2 1. Yeah, but those those games and that that stadium because the capacity wasn't huge, was it, Dan? The capacity wasn't that great, and you were a bit restricted and and whatever. People used to stand. Remember, people used to stand on the hill on the corner there, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. And yeah, and they used to get a view of the the ground. And I actually remember that last year you were talking about. What I was actually disappointed about was the last game of the season. Mick Mick left me in the stand. 
he actually gave a couple of the young lads a run, a run out because there was nothing at stake, Daniel, mm-hmm. that we'd missed out. And I think possibly Paul Manning, a young kid at the time, he gave him his debut, which was great. And it was the right thing to do. But I remember being a little bit at the time because I knew it was the last game. Oh, I'm not going to be playing. So I was a bit gutted, actually. I remember going to the game and, you know, there was all the kind of history that people knew, big crowd and the whole thing. But you know what, Dan, not being funny. About two minutes after their final whistle, I was thinking to myself, thank <laughs> <laughs> fuck I weren't out there. Thanks for not putting me in that pitch. It's not being funny. I was looking at Andy Roberts, right, sprinting down the pitch, right, and he was literally, there must have been about 20 supporters on, on his back, <laughs> ripping... Ripping, <laughs> ripping his kit off, and Andy was a strong boy. Funny, by the time he got to the tunnel uh, and up into the uh, changing rooms, he literally had his, he had his slip, he had his, uh, his socks, and his literally his boots when he came when he went into the up the tunnel into the dressing room. But that was literally fans just gone mad. They wanted a bit of a souvenir, and that was all the players. But I do remember thinking, I had no chance. <laughs> no chance to find my way out that pitch. <laughs> then there was the people on the street. On the pitch, but it was sad. You know, the the, the goalposts came down, people were on there. But I must admit, the overriding feeling was a bit gutted. Mm. I know the new stadium went over there, yeah, nice and shiny, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But no, not for me. No, for all its warts, I'd still be there. I'd still be there today. And I'd say the same for all the, all the stadiums the Dell, the old Dell at Southampton, been to their new stadium. Yeah, lovely, ticks all the boxes, but no way. Right. The, old, the old school ones are so much better, mate, aren't they? Oh, honest to God, just so so close. That chicken run down in West Ham, are going to pick the ball up, pick the ball up, <laughs> throw in, be kind of, oh, we're going to get, we're going to take one here. But it was all part of it, you know. It was amazing. It just lent itself. Every one of them crowd, those statements was different. Had its own little feel, its own little magic. I can't mm. nowadays, and I've gone to a lot of the grounds now in terms of doing a bit of media work or whatever. And do you know what? Yeah, you get yourself a nice fucking goujon and chip like in the in media centre at half time and a ben, a ben and Jerry's or whatever, like ice cream. But you know, it's, not problem, mate. it's not the same, is it? Ah, it's a shame. And remember the, do you remember the line on the on the stand that was that the last game? Honest to God, I must have spent most of that game looking up, thinking, "Oh, please God, no, it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna go any minute." Honestly, that I couldn't believe that. Hello. That was the biggest relief that whoever was in that young flu was in. Did you ever find out who was in that? Who was wearing that? It must have been. Funnily enough, I saw someone post it on one of the Mill History uh, Facebook groups the other week. For the, for the younger people who were watching, they might wonder what the fuck we're talking about. So the last day at the old day, the guy dressed in the worst. He looked like saying he looked like the uh, line at the Wizard of Oz, didn't he? He had the worst. <laughs> worst yeah. dress. He got great, on the roof of the halfway line, and oh. that that that's. I mean, look, we love that stadium, but it didn't. It didn't look the safest, the most stable of things at the best of times, didn't it? You've got 16 stone geezer dressed as a lion crawling along it on the last day. Yeah, we never came off that. I mean, I, I, I never know. I was so relieved. I was so relieved. Andy Roberts got off the pitch. He obviously made it down off the stand. That was the two most important things of that day. Oh, but that's a couple of lane. Like, I remember, so say moments there. I remember Coventry being there. It was a Coventry play. I'm sure it was. And... Uh, and they had a goalkeeper sent off. It might be now Rizovic went off. It might have been injured. I don't know what it was. He might have had a substitute keeper on the bench at that stage. I remember looking around thinking, uh, they were defending the cold goal lane. So he went off. He might have broke his arm or something. And looking around, looking at their two centre-halves, thinking, oh, their big lads is going to go and go a mad advantage here. And all of a sudden, David Speedy, top off, 
grabbed the glove. Scottish international, maybe the yeah, all the supporters remember him. Yeah. A Scottish player, aggressive, horrible, horrible little game. Great fella to have on your side, though. Good goal scorer and stuff, but aggressive, good football. You know, mad Scotsman, that's how he played. But he was like, yeah, give me the gloves. Five foot, five foot six. <laughs> I was about to say, he was really short, David Sweeney, wasn't he? Cobble Lane, yeah, yeah, I'll have it. I'm having some of that. Gloves on, straying. He was getting pelters when he walked in. I was watching walking into the penalty box, and I was like, in awe of him, thinking... My guy, fair play to you. He, and I literally mean he was getting pelters. I know I was getting slung from the, from the, from the, from the goal. It was all sorts like, and he was, yeah, come, yeah, come on, Danny. Boom, boom, is that all you've got? Rah, rah, rah. And he wasn't running away from me. Yeah, come on, then. yeah, yeah, you, yeah, I love you. Yeah, you, come on. <laughs> there was plenty of that going on. And I was thinking, oh, this, this is like amazing. I would have, you know, the game had to got underway. I just couldn't take my eyes off him. But, uh, between that time and the end, end of the game, the, the final whistle blew. And in that period of time, it wasn't very long. He might have been in golf maybe half an hour, uh, 20 minutes. But to a man, he was applauded off the pitch. Oh, Every, really? so blow, yeah, everybody in that stand behind the goal applauded him off. And it was, it was actually a nice thing. Almost sentimental. I, mean, I watched it again. I thought, wow. And he kind of, there was that acknowledgement. You know, the supporters, yeah, we've given it to you, but you know what? You've taken it. You've given it back, bum bum, yeah. and a bit of mutual respect there. Yeah, clapped them off the pitch. It and must I, have been like you're, you're telling the stories now as if you're still mesmerised by it. like a young, shy boy from Ireland to be thrown into London life and what it was like at the den. It's, it's, it seems like a little bit, you're still in a little bit of disbelief even all these years later. <laughs> yeah. What it was like. Oh, yeah. Well, th- th- if I'm talking to you now, I wouldn't have talked to anybody. It's, it's you know, it's, I can't remember the last time I spoke to somebody about it. So I'm surprised actually how much I remember because offhand I wouldn't remember too much I was just talking with people obviously steers the memories a little bit so little moments uh, like that matter a lot I remember Trevor Birch uh, Wolves used to come down with Wolves Wolves used to have a very good team there Steve Bull would have played up front and he had a great partnership with another centre forward damn I can't remember his name he was like a Peter Beersley type figure he wouldn't have scored as many goals but they were quite a prolific partnership up front and they had some good players well Mark Dean has uh, played from but they had this lad in centre midfield it was it was a Trevor Birch. I don't know. I don't know if you remember him, but uh, and I'm sure if any Millwall supporters do remember him, like he's smiling as I say. Did he have long curly hair? Yeah, he'd like a little. Birch, I really remember him. Yeah, had that little perm, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Michael Jackson like blonde perm. Oh god! And every time, every time he got he got on the ball, he used to get the whistle. <laughs> Everybody in unison around the ground, they used to get it. I mean, God knows you'll probably get ejected to get a two-year ban from the stadium there. God forbid if you actually if you actually whistle that to the player nowadays. Yeah. But absolutely hysterical. People used to just laugh around the place, like even the two of the you the players players used to like smile amongst themselves. And he took it after a while because it happened a few times. I think after a while he taught him said, you know, what, I might as well just suffer this, just suck it up and play along because there's no point in getting royal. There's no, you know what I mean. There's no point in playing up to it. it Would have been worse. But yeah, even even small little things like that, as opposed to kind of maybe the great goals or maybe great performances, just small little um, moments like that. And the last one I'll say just off the top of my head, I think it, again leading into what you just made the last year. When was Teddy? When did Teddy leave the football club? Teddy was left. He always- um, his last his last year would have been our first year back in the championship when we made the playoffs and didn't go up. So that would have been 99, 90, 99, 90, 1991. 1991. So he wasn't. He wasn't there that that first. Um, 
that last year with Mick at the no. old then. The year before we left. I mean, the year before that, right? Yeah. Gotcha. Because I remember, because I remember Teddy's last year there, and people would know again. Supporters know Kane were season ticket holders that year. Teddy was like, probably my whole career is probably the only example of somebody playing in a team. You know, people say, "Oh, he's head and shoulders." Yeah. They say head and shoulders, but yeah, they're probably the best player. But Teddy, when he said head and shoulders, that last year the football club, he literally was on a different planet. And it was amazing to watch. It really was. I think he scored 36, 38 goals. Something like 38 goals, I think it was, yeah. It was a six amount of goal. But even his performance levels, Dan, he was like, I remember towards the end of the season, I remember games at home. Because Teddy dropped off, he used to play in the puck because he'd come a bit deep because he was that good. He'd link things up, he could score pretty much do everything. But there was times that last season, he'd be like drift, he'd be drifting past air midfielders towards air, air defenders, centre halves and even full backs. And he'd be taking ball, he'd be taking the ball off the centre halves and spreading balls, hitting 30, 40 yards, like just give me the ball, I'll get it playing. Then getting up the pitch and doing his thing, which he did. He was playing at such a level that last year. I remember looking at him thinking, oh, oh my God. And like I said, I was still flying down the wing and putting a few crosses in and whatever he was getting his head on the end. But from a technical point of view, he was absolutely amazing. And we were in the championship, you're right. And the reason why I mentioned it was very early in that season, the fans, the, the fans started this Teddy for England. Teddy for England. The first time you hear it, yeah, all right. He's the best player, yeah. We all love Teddy, but yeah, come on. Teddy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Championship club, you know what I mean? Teddy, man, Teddy. I know he's going to but But as that season progressed, that chant, almost every home game, Teddy for him. Do you know what? Towards the end of the season, I was like, you know what? They're right. They're absolutely right. The level he was playing at, he was, play, he was an international footballer. He was an England international for. He may not have had the jersey on his back. Mm. He had to go to Nottingham Forest for some, and there would have been a period of time. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at UH1.com. That's UH1.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Before he made that jump, I don't know how long it was afterwards. But that's last year at Millwall, probably the only time in the career I played in a team when a player has been that far now. And that's no disrespect to the players with some talent. We'll say he was, he, he's done that in a side as well with forward-thinking players like Malcolm Allen, Paul Stevenson, Jimmy Carter and Alex Ray as well. To stand out as much as he did in, 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 in the, a load of forwards like that. Well, my point, well, my point I suppose I mentioned, Dan, was the fans recognised it. Mm. Fans recognised it before I did. So again, for me, always, I'll always say... People kind of, you know, very kind of cliched. Oh, Millwall fans, you know what they like? They just like it up and at them. And I say, oh, you know, you see, like, oh, shut up, you're talking, you're talking bloody rubbish. And I always, not that I talk too much about it, but I always reference that and say it was the Millwall supporters who, who very early recognised his ability, could see in him the abilities he needed to play at the very highest level. And they saw, cause they, so they knew the football. They knew the players and they knew the football. And they saw and that chance started. And at the end, and the end of the season, it was everybody. Everybody in the stadium was singing it, and everybody believed it on the pitch and in the and in the stadium. And that was a bit of a that his last season there. I do remember that that bit of an override. Now, bloody hell! Wow, this is great to see a player operate at this level. I'm talking level of confidence. I mean, mm. anyone confidence anyway. Even as the young lad when he came to the club, you could tell that. But at that point, oh my god, it's you know, it was amazing. It was amazing to watch. That was just a small little snapshot of that particular season. But yeah, the last one I had, yeah, I must admit, it was a little bit of a hint. It was a little bit of, yeah, a bit of sadness there, without a doubt, for those reasons, leaving it. And even after that, for years after that, even after I left the football club, if I was, dri- <laughs> if I was driving in that area, for, I'll, be driving down to the, I'll be driving down to Millwall, because I used to go down to Millwall games, even after I finished playing football, I'd go down and watch it, you know, not regularly, but a fair few games. My father-in-law, God rest him, was a massive Millwall fan. He was always a season there, ticker holder. So I'd go down with him, we parked the car up. And, but, I, you know, as we're making our way down, I'd be like, a little detour, just do a little detour past you. That's where it used to be. Yeah, I don't know why. Yeah, just have a little, and always have a look at that fecking new cardboard box, fecking housing estate there. Oh, and I'd always again your heart would sink and I think mm-hmm. you'd visualise it you know you'd visualise the stadium right there the amount of times I'd walk at the train around meander my way down through the under the bridge there that bridge that was there you could come up and, and then this, you know, it was there right in between the house and the states and looks like it grew there didn't it yeah organically like you know it came out of the ground almost you know what I mean yeah and I could see it and loads of other supporters would see, but a lot of people won't younger people won't people who maybe moved in there wouldn't have had that picture in the head. And I always, that always messes with me a little bit. That history is gone. Like, that's, it's almost been wiped. I know. It's been leveled, like, you know what I mean? That's it. It's gone. Like, you can't get it back. Yes, I'm not, I, I occasionally like, just kind of draw, draw. I don't know if I was expecting it. You're going to be there today. Is it going to be there today? I'm fucking, it's not there. Oh, no. It a, yeah, it was a crying shame. But that's it. Onwards and upwards, I suppose. But yeah, that was it. That was the lead into the, uh, to the new stadium. Oh, mate, that's some, that's some really... You could tell you was really invested in them stories for the old ground. That was absolutely fucking brilliant, that. Um, so, yeah, we, we moved to a shiny new stadium. First season at the New Den, we, under Mick McCarthy, 
um, make the playoffs again. Would you remember your, what was, as much as you love the old den? What was your first impressions of the new den? No, no, I don't remember that. So, talk about the playoffs of Millwall. That forest one, funny enough, I'd forgotten on the Bruce Rake at Brighton. I was sat in the stand. I was actually with the squad that travelled down to that game at Brighton. We lost and the away game, didn't we? And then we, the home one didn't go great. It was awful. Mm. So, I didn't play. didn't play in either of those games. Um, and then the second, oh no, it was the second playoff would have been this one that where Mick won the second season in the uh, first season back at the back of the new ground, yeah. Missed out the season before, yeah. So that, so I'm talking about say atmosphere. So the new stadium, we had that opening game against Spartan Lisbon, obviously a bit of a buzz, yeah, fair enough. But that playoff game against Derby, that was the one. You know, albeit with the fourth leg, we'd lost two nil, hadn't played that great. You know, maybe a little bit lucky losing two nil. Anyway, fair enough. You know, it's notice like your positive second leg, you know, full house, we, you know, get a force goal, game on, we can do it. Mm. The atmosphere that night, Dan, I don't know if you were there that night, absolutely electric. That was, it was sellout, but it was more than that. It was, it was literally um, madness. It was the noise coming out of the warm up. Oof, you could feel it, you know, oh, bloody hell, you know what I mean? It was palpable. It was like weighing on your on your shoulders it was like whoa this is great I was a bit older then it wasn't a case of oh no I'm breaking it now I could kind of handle that a little bit better yeah. but the problem was of course just the game went so badly for us like instead of getting the first goal we conceded the first goal I mean they had a decent team actually Paul Kitson played up front and Tommy Johnson wasn't that was it I've forgotten his name he was a good player left foot player very good Kitson was a good player good, good goal scorer and they scored early and pretty much killed it Dan, to be honest, we were 3-0 down then. They might have got a second goal before halftime as well. So really, it was like flat as a pancake, you know what I mean? And obviously then supporters came on the pitch. It wasn't bad, right? Just a few of them came on the pitch. We had to leave the pitch, sit in the stadium, wait till they cleared the pitch. So that was horrendous, pal. Sitting in the dressing room, knowing the dream was over. Knowing we had to go back out on the pitch and go through the motions. So to be honest with you, that was pretty horrible. I've got to be honest with you. That was this from a night that started so well in terms of the expectation. We can do it. Here we go. Get the crowd behind us. And we had a good team, obviously. The reality was we just didn't perform. The two games, the two key games that mattered home and away to Derby, they were the better team. They were the more clinical and probably handled the occasion better than we did, if the truth be known. So no complaints, but a bit devastating. I'm talking about not being as devastating when we went down that first year. That was probably my first experience of... Do you know what? This is really cut. You know what I mean? You know, we've missed out here in opportunity mm. in the league and the whole shebang. And probably me playing more of an integral role in the team. You kind of feel it a little bit more as well. So that was tough. The season was great. We played well. I think we all enjoyed our football. I think fans alike made it into the players. We just couldn't. Just couldn't produce. It when it mattered, unfortunately. You know, we weren't the force. We won't be the last. Couldn't find that maximum level in terms of performance when it really mattered. So no complaints, but... It really hurts. But again, then again, starting next season, Dan, I couldn't say, honestly, there was a hangover. You know, we lost a lot of players. Again, we would have maybe small turnover. But the main group would have been the same. I was still enjoying my football, you know, mm. still going forward thinking, well, I'm improving here, boom, boom, boom. And still thinking, yeah, we can do this next year. Off, off we go again. So that was the kind of mentality going into the next season. By this point, so the, the next season, which was your last season at the club, we've got Ben Thatcher in the squad. Um, Andy Roberts is the first team regular, where we had been for a couple of years. Mark Kennedy, what were these? What were these boys like? Was you was you close to them off the pitch? Yeah, I would have. Been, I would have been. I would have been. There was probably they're still drinking more than me, even at that. 
<laughs> they drinking your quota as well, weren't they? Yeah, <laughs> uh, they were. No, they were great, them lads. They were great. Actually, I only spoke to uh, Ben Thatcher uh, a couple of weeks ago. I haven't spoke to uh, Andy for, uh, uh, for a, a long time. I think he's still over in uh, Kentway. I think, um, I think, funny enough, his boys uh, plays football in Bromley. I might be wrong there. Somebody was telling me. Mark, I've actually spoken to a couple of times over the last uh, uh, couple of years as well. But those lads were great. That group, I spoke with them. That group of players, they were very tight. Uh, that U team, they were they were quite successful. Did they win a U Cup? I'm not too sure that they yeah. kind of progressed quite well, did they? they yeah. Won one, yeah, they won one cup against Arsenal and then they lost to Man United in the semi final. What we've heard some out we've heard some outrageous stories on Ben Thatcher. He's he's absolutely off his canister, isn't he? Yeah, but it, yeah, but but great lads, very very talented football. That's the first time. I always yeah. say, oh, mad stuff. He's, but I say yeah, but his impact on the pitch, excellent player, great defender. I would love him to have had his like lower body. I spoke about me and saying like physically now his lower body because Ben like even seventy years of age Ben quads hamstrings calves it's like you but looking at forty year old man he didn't look look at his face like you know what I mean he was developed really at a very very powerful very strong and a very good defender loved his defender very tenacious yeah decision making at times got the better of him got a few more yellow cards red cards maybe when he should have but his basic principles as, as a defender was very strong and I loved him for that because I loved me defending. You know what I mean? I just didn't have those attributes, maybe different type of attributes to Ben. But I loved that, the kind of aggression which he had. Hate being beaten 1v1, getting tied to people, kind of making tackles. And, and you know, saw him develop as well, you know, adding an attacking dimension to his game. Mark was totally different, obviously. Wonderful talent. What that a player. Was, oh, my God, that left foot. It's an absolute wand. Honest to God, it was brilliant. And Andy was very mature football in between his ears. In a very young age, very good understanding of the game, read the game very well, played in that holding position, but played like an old man at 22, played like a 22-year-old at 22. That's why Mick played and he trusted him. Very good, very well disciplined, read situations, could cover for people, kept the game simple. So their football and attributes are the one things that I remember. But but we all kind of lived reasonably close. We are kind of we're kind of Kemp boys. We're kind of a Ben, Andy, even Mark to a certain extent, uh, we kind of lived in kind of not too far apart. So there was a little bit of that golf course, not so much of the social side because they were young, so they were doing their own thing. Mm. Well, not, you know, I would have been into too much of that madness. No, good humour and stuff, but they were young kid, kids and enjoying themselves and all that. And yeah, a little bit of madness on the training pitch as well, probably Ben in particular. But that was great. I love seeing young people with personality actually making a contribution to the uh, dressing room. I didn't do that at their age. I was hiding in the corner, sucking me thumb. Like, you know, at my age, they were like, "Oh yeah, giving it some. You know, yeah, you can have some. Yeah, take some of that. Way. <laughs> yeah, do you know what I mean? A little bit silly or whatever at times. Don't get me yeah, wrong. Yeah, yeah. Kind of making because showing a bit of personality and kind of really making the kind of environment is is what we all enjoyed. So they were actually great though. And funny enough, coincidentally, the the lads you if, the lads you mentioned there, Ben. Andy and Mark, they ended up with me at, uh, at Wimbledon down the road. They all, they, all, they all made their way over. And at some stage, Joe came the manager asked me about them all when he was thinking of bringing them over. And the answer would have been the same. You've got to get them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. too good. And he, I wasn't saying go and get them because he's a head case and he's a this and he's a that. Three brilliant players, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're, they're going to make us better. And that's when they did take the piss, to be honest with you, because I was elected a chauffeur for about <laughs> three years at Wimbledon. Because none of us would move. <laughs> none of us would move over. 
So I was I was picking them all up, heading over there, M25, A3, we always talk about it, you know, bringing them back or whatever. They had a couple of lads and a couple of drink driving bands in the meantime as well. So they couldn't. So I was literally, literally picking them up and putting them in the back seat. So oh, we had to close over the years. And that, but that was probably a Wimbledon, probably more so. But even at that age of Wimbledon, that year, like I said, for that last couple of years, they were coming through. And that was great. I loved that. Seeing younger players, it wasn't the only self, don't get me wrong. But we always had that growing up. I used to see, used to love to see the younger players coming through and making an impression. And actually, always tried to help them. Always felt as if I needed to try and make that transition as easy as possible for them, you know, because I maybe didn't have a huge amount of that in terms of the older players at the football club. But it was a different time, like I explained. It, was, it wasn't our badness or anything like that, just the way it was, kind of, you know, hard school, like you learned the hard way, you know. Yeah, yeah. It was a little bit different. Four or five was it was you know, changing a little bit. I always felt as if I always liked to make it a little bit easier for those young lads to make that kind of transition. It was it was a funny time at the club. You had the younger players coming through very good. You had your your stalwarts there, your rhinos, you by that point as well, Alex Ray, and then you also had a, a very we've meant you mentioned them briefly, a very strange influx of foreign players: Casey Keller, John yeah. Kerr, Bruce Murray, Etienne Vivier. I always like to find out what people's thoughts were on them sort of guys like. What they like, because obviously, you say you famously the boys all said Kenny didn't drink, but he's he great crack. So they, what was Etienne like? What was Keller like? Oh, I don't know, because they didn't come out, so we don't really know. So I'm wondering if you might be able to shed a bit of light on what Etienne was like, what Casey was like. Yeah, no, I found the lads sound uh, to be honest with you. No, I take your, uh, I take the lads' point there. Like that might have been fair enough in terms of. I think that's a natural thing to a certain extent, especially a lot of American lads coming. It's a natural, isn't there, Paul? towards each other like in, in terms of that and they would have had partners I think they all had partners who knew each other wise kind of girlfriends so it would have been a case of maybe just maybe their environment brought up like go out for a meal with the girls as couples as opposed to right lads park your, <laughs> park your car up outside the pub if you're picking it up tomorrow afternoon end yeah. up done yeah, all aboard type thing, <laughs> like you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just a different environment, so I, I, I wouldn't be overly like critical. I, I would have got on well. The lads, well, everybody would have got on well together, but maybe they didn't have that interaction with the lads. Maybe off the pitch, but I thought they were, they were sound. Now the lads were sound. Everybody has their own little idiocy. Oh no, the boys said they was good as gold, but we didn't really exactly. get to know them too much because they weren't really involved in, in getting drink driving bands and jumping off bridges. <laughs> Yeah, you're absolutely right. But that's for me, that's what makes it. You can't have everybody on the same level. Mm. You know, have 20 like absolute head cases in the dressing room. It just it doesn't work. Of course. It can't work like, you know what I mean? The mix, the dynamic has to be right. Like, you know what I mean? So it's no bad thing. Remember John Calhoun came down from, we talk about the Scottish Brigade coming down, John McGlash and John McGinley. John Calhoun came down, very good football. I don't know if you remember him. Kind of yeah. white field player, but kind of very stylish. But John was like, John was kind of very, say like very academically, very intelligent, uh, very well-read. You might say very well-rounded. <laughs> right? So, so yeah, you throw John into that environment that dressing him in Millwall. So John would have, people would have been looking at John. I remember John having conversations with people like, giving him the old double take. Like, what's, what's this fellow what's he talking about? Like, what was he quoting Shakespeare or something? What was he on about? <laughs> Yeah, he might be talking about this and that, say a book he'd read, opera, writers, or whatever. Oh, really? Just coming at stuff from a different angle. Like, yeah, so I'd be a little bit, I'd be quite engaged, like, you know what I mean? But a few of the lads would be, holy jays. Now, he wouldn't have been out drinking, you know, he wouldn't have been sharing spite drinks with me down the gym. Palace, like, <laughs> like, I was nights down there, don't get me wrong. 
but then for me there was always a place for that for, for that type of person like th those type of person the yin and the yang that kind of that kind of worked for me and mm. I actually John it quite a lot to be honest with you because he could have bent an awful lot because he would have got a bit of the oh well, you all listen to you rah 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 but he didn't <laughs> he didn't back he was always true to himself he was kind of confident enough in himself to say well hold on this is me that's what I'm not, I'm not about the other thing. I'm not about shitting cups. I'm about a little, about a little bit of opera. I take you. Yeah, I, I don't judge you. I'm enjoying your company, but this is me. I can't pretend to be somebody else. So I got a little bit of that up, and he did it in a nice way. Like, you wouldn't talk yeah. down. So I kind of appreciate that. So that kind of fascinated me a little bit in terms of addressing him. All these different people. Chase, he's great, man. Oh, how funny is he? Never get a word out with him. He's a little bit left here. Etienne. Etienne Vivier was one of them. A little bit. If somebody, somebody had said, like, 10 years after he left the football club, you know, they they sliced at the end, they got rest and he passed on, they sliced him, he's actually, he was an alien. He, he, was, he was actually an alien. I would have thought, Do you know, I, yeah, I, I believe that. I would have yeah. believed. So he was that type of mad quick, you're not really sure what was going on, like a mad little look, funny, loved to laugh and all that type. But you no, know, someone you couldn't really pigeonhole or kind of, couldn't get on the same wavelength of me. He was in his yeah, own. Like, say like the other boys banter. He must have not really known what was going on, mustn't he? No, exactly. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. You have to feel, feel for them people that are coming into that type of environment. Not even the language is an issue. Although the Dutch lads, to be fair, like very, very good anyway with the language. So yes, yeah, so for me that was all good. That was all. I actually enjoyed. That kind of fascinated me. I was a little bit in, intrigued with that. But you're right. Those characters you mentioned coming in were great. I, I loved them, like, you know what I mean? I, I kind of, it was, it, and, that, and that's why when I eventually did leave, it was such a hard decision. When, when it came, it happened very quickly in terms of the move. It was a real wrench. And that was an obvious thing to say. It's an easy thing to say. Oh, no, I didn't want to go. It was such a hard decision. <laughs> you know what I mean? Playing up to the crowd. I can honestly say, Dan, there was a point that I thought, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going, I, I won't be going. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't bring myself, I couldn't visualise myself outside of the football club. Mm. I, I really couldn't. That group of players was still there. I don't know who would come in that following season, that second season. I'll tell you who did come in, um, before I forget it, Dave Savage came in. Ah. And he, he, told, he told some great stories on you. <laughs> well, of course, and I'll tell you who else came in, Tony McCarthy. Another artist fella had come in probably previously to that. Yeah. Tony didn't yeah. play a lot of games. He was at the club maybe a year now. He moved on, played with Colchester. And actually went back to Dublin, had a career back in Ireland and actually retrained as a physiotherapist. Very successful. He's done great, Tony. But Tony was there and, and Sab came in. So there was that bit of an Irish contingent almost then, a little bit as well. We spoke about Scottish, American. So all of a sudden, a couple of the Irish lads there. Cool. Uh, and obviously Mark was there as well, you know, Dublin lads as well, Mark. Would have gone well with Dave as well. So, yeah, so again, that bit of a pull. Just about the Americans pulling together. It wasn't a case of, oh, the Irish brigade or anything like that because... You know, we loved, you know, we, everybody loved the, the dressing room. We all got stuck in. But there's that natural little pull, isn't there, to your, somebody, somebody who grew up 10 minutes down the road, you know, you know such and such and, and whatever. So all of that mixed in, yeah, but that started that next season. It was November when we moved. Yeah, I, I do remember thinking, oh, I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not going to bother. Because literally, it wasn't a big move in terms of, it wasn't earning that much more. Maybe a couple of hundred quid more. I was earning uh, at Wimbledon, and I just couldn't. I was enjoying me. I was enjoying my football that much for the reasons that I've said. And it was probably. Do you know what it probably was? It was probably the fact that we went together. Uh, Johnny, I did. I did ask John that. Johnny, boy. good boy. I did ask him. Yeah. 
Was it a bit of like if you go right, if you go, I'll go sort of thing? <laughs> Especially being someone like you come across in this interview is not, you know, not overly confident in yourself and have to have that little buffer of someone to go with you. I think it was almost a subconscious thing. We didn't say that you going because you're not going. Hang on, I'm, 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 I might have said it kidding around, but I think it was almost a bit of a subconscious thing to it. Because it was like, I think the fee was 1.3. 1, 1. I, I, at the time, I thought they'd give me away. I thought it was just a case they were throwing me in just to sweeten the thing. Because people used to say, is there a fee? I, I, used, I always said, no, I think it's, the fee is goody. They're paying 1.3 for goody. And they're just, I think they just try, I think they just throw me in. <laughs> Let him bring his mate come and fuck it. If you bring his mate, he can come. Exactly. That, that, that's kind of what I thought. I was only after, about years afterwards, I kind of, you, know, you read between the lines a little bit. I spoke to Goody and a few other people. And I think it, it was about 800,000 for John and like 500,000 for me, which I could I was like about half a million. I thought, wow, that was amazing. Like, but at the time, I was thinking, I just, just, I'm just cheese on top here, me. But it was, now it was tough. A couple of, couple of days. And Mick was great. And he said, look, the bid's been made. I don't know what the situation was with the football club there. Because obviously money must have been an issue. And obviously it's, it's the same for every football club. But it wasn't like 10 million. I think we went, obviously, the first year in the, at the new den, uh, we nearly made it, didn't we? We nearly went up. And I think a lot of money was put into that. And when that didn't happen and the little bit of the trouble after the Derby game didn't help, I think Captain Morgan, one of the other boys, said, oh, because of all the Derby thing, uh, the playoffs, their goalkeeper getting attacked and whatever, the, Captain Morgan pulled out a sponsorship and we needed, we needed money. It might be right. It might have been that maybe the wage bill, all those things factored in. Look, we need to find a bit of cash from somewhere. It might have been that. But um, yeah, it surprises me because we reason be young, like you know what I mean, and you know something, you know, you keep your best for as long as you can. That's what. And Goody was flying at the time. Goody was scoring goals, and was like a big asset to the team. So yeah, I did. We did mull over. I don't know how long it took us, but Mick was grand. He said, "Look, there's been a bid. Yeah, the club's accepted it, but ultimately it's your decision. If you want to stay, great. Well, have a think about it." And I did wrestle. I did wrestle with it. But you're right. I think subconsciously the fact John was going. But I think probably, in all honesty, I think it was just just that step up, that Premiership, an opportunity to play in the Premiership, Dan. Mm-hmm. I did, was that, five and a half uh, years and they were loved. They couldn't see myself anywhere else. But when a bid like that comes in, I suppose it's accepted. It's an opportunity to go because I was never linked with clubs. I never remember having that mindset. Oh, I wonder what will happen. Or, it kind of makes you think a little bit. You've got to make a decision, haven't you? So it kind of makes, makes you think, take stock of things a little bit. So maybe then it was a case where I thought that yeah, it's been great premiership. Can I? Yes, it can happen. Of course, it can happen here and Millwall. Yeah, yeah. Get me head down. Yeah, it could possibly happen, but it may not. And you know, you know, what about if you end your career and you haven't had an opportunity maybe to play even for a season at the highest level and just have a taste of it, just to see can you survive up there in that environment with those type of players? You know, that kind of bit of a draw. So you start asking those questions at that time for obvious reasons because the bid's there and it was probably just that in the end it was probably just that that knows it probably John going and the fact that just test yourself although maybe every bone in my body was screaming don't stay stay where you are you're comfortable here (laughs) yeah you're accepted here fans the whole shebang the South London press always gives me a seven I can just stay here for it (laughs) yeah I've got the albatross on side. No one likes it. Yeah. I'll be writing an article there in a year, in a year or so. I'll be putting myself in the walls all the time at best 11. Yeah, so all of those things, that kind of comfort zone. Mm. And I loved it, like, you know what I mean? But for some reason, whatever it was, maybe one bone in my body's went, no, test yourself. You know, push the envelope out. Just 
you know, take a chance, you know, take yeah. a step out of that comfort zone. Maybe it was that ultimately, but it was tough. It was a tough day. It was such a tough decision, packing me bags and like, oh. I um, always finish with two questions. The first is, in your five years at Mill, obviously you can just tell you loved it. You had some brilliant times. If you could pick one standout memory from your time at the club, I should probably give people a heads up before I ask this question. I'm going to ask this question because Malcolm Allen was like, um, I had to cut it down because Malcolm Allen was like, there's so many. There's so many. If you could pick one standout memory from your time playing for the club. Um, do, you know, do you know what mom did actually uh, pick? I, I'd actually left the club. <clears throat> I, uh, we travelled down to um, Cardiff, myself, uh, my wife, uh, my father-in-law, uh, like I said, the past couple of years ago, and a good friend of his for the cup final. Uh, Millwall and Manchester United. And you know what? It was amazing because me, me father-in-law had always said uh, a dream of his father was all, had always been see Millwall in a cup final. And that was always his. He always used to say, oh, Millwall in a, a cup final. Now, obviously, he didn't see it. My father-in-law never thought he'd see it. But that season, we actually went up to the semi-final. We actually went up to the semi-final at Old Trafford. It was a Sunderland game, wasn't it? Yeah. Up to that. And we ended up getting our tickets. And that day, that day out down in uh, Cardiff, the cup final, oh, it was magic. I mean, didn't have a hope winning. No. Nobody expected Nobody. No, 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 never going to win the game. That was accepted. But the journey down, uh, the, the motorway, the buzz outside, the chit-chat, the atmosphere inside, that kind of... Millwall had a cup final and we took a few photos and it was the whole thing. But I must admit, that day, and that was all I was away from the... Was I actually finished playing then? I, might, I, was, I would have been even finished playing. 2004. Was it 2004? 2004, yeah. I was still playing. I was, I was up at Birmingham, believe it or not. Yeah, but yeah, travel down, and that was a uh, yeah. What a, that was a great day, probably more so for me, fa- me, me father-in-law, and obviously yeah, me, I want them to win. It was great, but just to be you know in the car, <laughs> driving down to Cardiff. So, you, so your so your father-in-law is a Millwall fan. He was, yes. Yeah, so was, you've, met, you've met a local girl whilst over in England. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. He was a massive. Yeah, that was just that was just coincidental. That was just coincidental. Obviously, yeah. he was in uh, Millwall. But he was like, uh, yeah, years like Millwall was in the in the family. So yeah, he was absolutely regular. He got a, oh, he loved it. He absolutely loved the football club. What do you make of that when his daughter come home with the, with the right back? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not too sure. I'm not too sure to be honest. I'm trying to think about how they still had the calls you're talking about. Then I might have done. I don't know. I don't know. To be honest, he was he was. He didn't give much. He didn't give much away. Me bad and loud, honestly. But but Millwall in the cup final. I must admit that year semi final the cup final was great. But Millwall in the cup final, and they had a couple around there, didn't they? Because we, we ended up in Mel, uh, Wembley. Wembley Stadium a couple of times. Would have been playoffs then, wouldn't it? Two, yeah, two, 2008, 2009. Yeah, because yeah, because young, young Flair was born two thousand and nine. In um, He's just, he was born in April. He was at one of the games. Like he was only a baby in arms. Like that picture of him, he's asleep. And my wife's holding him. He's asleep in her arms. Like everybody's up. I think uh, Millwall has scored. Who got that amazing goal? Was it that? Gary Alexander. Gary Alexander. Yeah. That, the, the, yeah, it might have been that. that yes, yeah, we lost three to Yeah. A couple of times Millwall there. I've ended up at all of those so games. You, you love Millwall so much. You married into it. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna claim to be like, oh, I'm well to use that that. I Don't get me wrong. But those, yeah, for natural reasons, we ended up. But the cup final, I'd have to say the cup final, because in terms of me playing career, like, because we didn't have, we didn't have the kind of success obviously I wanted, right? So obviously I, I don't like talking. I don't talk about me career too often, Dan. To be honest, I don't, I don't enjoy it because. Because invariably, when you get start digging down into it, it's kind of bittersweet. We're talking about a lot of good times, and it's it's great, it's fantastic, but it's very bittersweet a footballer's career unless you're at the very elite level. So we've already talked about uh, relegation that fourth season, missing out on that playoff uh, at Derby. Maybe we'd have gone up instead up. I wouldn't have left Millwall. Who, who knows after that? Mm-hmm. You know, experienced relegation uh, after that with different football clubs. Experienced that at Wimbledon and at Birmingham, believe it or not. You know, so. So there, that's kind of that's kind of it's kind of gut wrenching, really. When you when you start talk, you're talking about thinking of your your good days and your bad. The bad days aren't too far behind. So to be honest with you, I try not to. I try not to think that one great moment immediately because bad moments kind of filter through almost like without without me knowing. So mm. I, I couldn't I couldn't pick one. I couldn't pick one because we hadn't got that one day. Dan, that one day that promotion did we? We didn't have that. We made the playoffs. Even the teams after me made it to Wembley, a cup final. I'm yeah, sure the nearly men, the nearly men. Sure, lads will say, oh, the cup final, Carrie, yeah, we got lost, but the road there was brilliant. Oh, that Gary Alexander, Gary Alexander got, we were part of that. Oh, it was amazing. We didn't, we didn't, I didn't, you know, I had a like chin on the, on the floor, heading back into the dressing room with the new down when the fans were on the pitch in the game, we'd lost out. Do you know what I mean? I had those kind of sitting at the stand of Bright when we missed out on the playoffs. So I really, so I'd really have to, re, I'd really have to encapsulate it. I'd really have to put the whole thing together as I kind of described to there, just in terms of me, me general experience there, because that's kind of where I kind of, I kind of grew up. Uh, as, a, as a, I had my education there as a footballer, and, and to a large extent, really grown up as a person too. So, yeah, so that, that's what kind of made it unique. I didn't have that anywhere else. That was pretty unique. So those five and a half years that I had at Millwall, good and bad, you know, good and bad, but that's it. That's the way it is. So I'm sorry, I can't help you. It's a pretty boring answer, but... No, it's fine, to- mate. It's, it's been brilliant. This is the, well, the final question. That always, <laughs> the final question I always wrap with, we might, we might have to go about a different way about asking this question because my final question usually is, if you could have one last night out with three of your ex-Millwall players, who would it be? So my question, I'm going to change slightly. If you had to go tomorrow for one last night out, you're the designated driver. Who would you be most worried about thinking, fuck, I'm not going to get my car home here? Three mill players. <laughs> Who would you be most worried about sh- chaperoning for one night? Chaperoning. You're the designated driver and it's pick ah. mill, three, three mill players that you think, oh, I don't want to be taking these three out tonight. I might not get in motor home. Ah. Well, I never, had, I never had that feeling, I've got to be honest with you, because I always, I love the lads. I love the lads. <laughs> Well, yeah, you're, you're right. You know, it's like drink, drink. I've seen it all. Drink affect, affects people differently. Even the kind of, you know, the kind of the calmest, most introverted people. A couple of drinks on them, absolutely nut jobs. You know what I mean? You just can't. <laughs> you just can't control. So I probably, oh, in a, in a kind of, in a night, in a night. It's the people that I knew. You've mentioned Ben, like so. Ben had this little bit of a reputation, but he was he was kind of harmless enough. But he could. There's a bit of madness there with Ben. Uh, no, no doubt about it. Uh, Mark, to be honest with you, Mark had his moments as well. Mark Kenny was a little bit softer, like, but Mark as well could be pretty much could be pretty much hard work. They were the kind of I suppose they were the lads I kind of maybe uh, maybe 
new best. Davy Thompson, I've mentioned, Newcastle lad. You remember the big beanpole uh, centre half? He played a couple of games. Like, sit back here. Yeah. Now, Dave was a real Dave was a real character as well, even without a drink, but with a drink as well. Dave was great entertainment. Uh, he probably just wouldn't fit into the car. He wouldn't fit into the migrants the size of about six foot six. Is he? Was he really? Uh, Dave was bigger, maybe not six foot six, maybe six foot three, six foot four. But um, but he was great. I suppose maybe those, <clears throat> maybe those like I've spoken about like I did. I've spoken about those the uh, the lads, the older lads at Millwall. So I'm saying. I drove a Gavin McGuire. Gavin McGuire gave me a lift once from Millwall's train. Millwall's training ground in Avery Hill and Sid Cup to the old end. We were going to the old end. We were driving downtown for a meetup or something. And he had a golf, like an old golf. And I was like, oh, Gav, I haven't, I don't know if I might even drive the time. Would you bring me going down to the, any, any chance for, yeah, I jumped in, right? So I'm not being funny. It felt, <laughs> I'd say about 12 minutes later, and that's a fair old hit from Sid Cup uh, to the, the new den. We screeched into the, the old den. And I never, I there was probably the only time in my life I thought I'm, ne- I'm not going to get out alive. And so you're talking about you're talking about players getting into Moika. That's the only car I got in in my whole career. And thought I, if I had to put money down now, I'm actually not going to get out of this car. He drove, he drove. It was like Fast and Furious. Seriously, he drove at his speed and took as many risks in the car in that journey that, honest to God, I literally couldn't speak. I held my breath. I had my breath down for about 12 minutes. I could, it, when I got out of the car, I was literally thought, oh my God, thank God I made it out of this car. So, so I wouldn't have known the likes of Gavin, but I'm, so I'm presuming kind of hardened, like a drink, wooden back on, kicked off, maybe a wash all over. Those, if, if you're saying three people I'd like in my car, if I bumped into somebody in front, and two, and, <laughs> A lot of way, a lot of way you swung the question. You have wrestlers get out and start walking towards my car. I'd run Terry Hall like Pat Vanden Howe and Gavin McGuire in the car with me. <laughs> yeah, maybe put it that way. You put <laughs> like that as well. Right? Right. Go after the geezer. <laughs> Coming in. Coming in. Come on. Yeah, that that might be that might be a little, that might be a little bit easier. The rest of the, the lads were grad. There was never, I'd never like, I never had a, a time where I thought, no, listen, forget it. You jump in the cab. You're not coming. You never, you, know, you never got anybody loot. Never leave anybody behind, Dan. <laughs> never leave anybody behind. It's an unwritten rule. You know that. That doesn't oh. just go with football. That just right. doesn't go with the room. Never leave anybody behind. <laughs> Kenny, honestly, mate, it's, it's been absolutely brilliant. It's, it's without doubt the longest Lions Lounge we've ever had. With you think we're going nearly three hours. <laughs> <laughs> but mate, I've laughed all the way through. You are, you are an absolute top man, and I really appreciate your time. I've enjoyed that. Thanks for the time. Thanks for the uh, the reminiscing. Yeah, a lot of stuff there. I I thought I might struggle to be honest with you because uh, <laughs> you said that to me earlier. Like no chance. Uh, yeah, but now it's good. It's funny, isn't it? You start talking, and somebody obviously gives you a bit of information, and it obviously triggers the old memory box. So yeah, it's nice. It's nice to relive some of those uh, memories. It doesn't happen there. Uh, probably doesn't happen often enough. Brilliant, mate. Honestly, really appreciate your time, Kenny. Thanks a lot. No, number eighteen. Save the best till last. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it. See you later, lad. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 